There's a guy in the Bible who had incredible influence. Obviously, the first name we always say is Jesus, and that's always the Sunday school answer. Whatever the question is, just the answer is Jesus. That's always just, just always say that, right? But there's another person in the Bible who had incredible influence named the Apostle Paul. Paul was unbelievable. He almost single-handedly won half the world to Christ, and he didn't have social media. He didn't have a computer. He didn't have a marketing campaign, and yet he single-handedly had that kind of an influence to where he just changed nations. Kings went to him to hear about Christ, and so he had incredible influence. So let's talk about him today and about how we can have a great influence as well. So you guys ready to get started? Because I'm ready to dive right in. You guys ready? All right. So... How can we have the kind of influence? In Acts chapter 9, it mentions Paul. His first name was Saul, and then eventually God changed his name once he was converted to Christianity. It said, but the Lord said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. And so God told someone, hey, go see Saul. He is my chosen instrument. I've got good news for you. You are God's chosen instrument to make an influence exactly where he has placed you. You may say, man, I'm the only Christian in my high school English class. I'm the only Christian in you know, my department at the place I work. I would say to you back, wow, God really trusts you to be the lone light in a dark area. And so that means you are God's chosen instrument to change lives. What an incredible opportunity that you have. So in the same way, God used Paul powerfully. He wants to use you powerfully too. There are four ways, uh, four things that Paul did that I believe gave him great influence. And the first one is this. Would you write this down? Paul created more than he consumed. Paul created more than he consumes. We forget that God says for us to be God-like, to be godly is the word he uses. And well, what was God? God was a creative God. He was a creator. We forget he created the whole world. He made everything we have around us. And so in the same way, he wants you to be creative and to be a creator. It says in Philippians chapter three, Paul said this, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul was very focused. He was not easily distracted. I wonder if that can be said of you and me today. Honestly, most of us are, are busy being consumers. You know, we used to use the word consumer 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It was like a consumer is, you know, like the American consumer was someone who bought products. We ate food. We, we, we consumed things and threw it out, right? So we, you know, buy a piece of electronic equipment, utilize it, and then throw it out and then or buy something new, right? And we upgrade. And so that was, that was what the consumer mentality meant. Now today, the word consumer would mean we're consuming media. We're always watching a screen, whether it's on our phone or our laptop or a television. Now our, our, our cars have screens. I mean, it's just screens everywhere, right? So we're consuming content constantly. Paul didn't do that. Paul was actually busy creating content. In fact, did you know that Paul wrote 13 of the books in the, Old in, in the New Testament? 13 of them. Now, he wrote basically half the New Testament was written by one guy. In fact, he was such a prolific writer, the only argument people make is that out of the 13 books, there are three of them that some scholars say maybe he didn't write them because they were written in such a different format, but they all agree that it was his assistants that probably wrote what he talked, what he said. So in other words, he was so prolific, like a prolific author today, he probably eventually had people help him write those books so he could spit out more content faster. And so that's how prolific he was in his writing. And so how do you do that? It says in Scripture, Paul said this in Colossians, his, his letter to the people of Coloss, uh, Col, uh, Colossae, sorry, 
He says, set your minds on things above, not on things that are on this earth. Now, I have not written that many uh, works like Paul has, but I've written a few books, and I can tell you this about writing a book. When you're writing, you don't read. You don't read while you're writing. If you do, whatever you're reading will come out in your writing. So if you want to have original content, you have to have original thoughts, which means you've got to get still before God to hear from Him to be able to tell you to write something. Does that make sense? And so before I preach a sermon, I don't just go read a bunch of other people's ideas on stuff. I get along with God and say, God, please speak to me because I don't want to just bring a book report to you from other people. I want to bring a word from God to you, which means I got to get along with God to hear from him. Make sense? So, so Paul created more than he consumed. Paul also wrote in Romans chapter 12, this is the J.B. Phillips translation. He said, so don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. I love that. The world is squeezing into its mold. If you're always reading something from the world, if you're always reading other people's posts, if you're always watching someone else's reels, if you're always watching you know, TV content or news commentary or whatever, if you're just constantly doing that, you are being fed different people's beliefs. And this is why we have all the Christians today that, that don't always follow what the Bible says or believe it anymore because they're so busy being fed by the world rather than what the Bible says. So I want to challenge you on this to half your consumption and double your output. Let me say that again. Half your input, what you're consuming, and double your output. Now you may say, well, Pastor, I'm not trying to be a creator. I don't want to create content for an online, or I'm not trying to make movies or, or you know, make TV shows or, 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 or make posts or anything like that. That's fine. You don't have to do those kind of things, but why don't you make, make what God told you to do with your life? Maybe for you, you need to create a new backyard because yours is a mess or create, recreate your office because it's just a, a pile of papers that you're just throwing in there all the time. The reason why we have messy offices is because we throw our stuff in there we should be focusing on and go back and sit down in front of a screen again and consume. And so why don't you create the life you want? How about creating the body you want? How about creating the marriage you want? Creating the kids you want? Creating the future you want? Get busy creating rather than just consuming, and all of a sudden you'll have a life worthy of following. You'll have influence because people say, what are you doing differently? Well, I can tell you what I'm doing differently. I'm not just consuming the world. I'm creating what God told me to do with my life. Does that make sense? I was watching an interview this last week with uh, Mel Gibson and Mark... Um, Wahlberg made a movie together called Father Stew, and the movie, it, it comes out this week, I can't wait to see it, uh, it's a busy week for me, but uh, hopefully I'll squeeze some time in maybe next week, but, but Father Stew, is, it's a faith story about a guy who was really broken and went through a lot of pain and had a really a strange relationship with his father, and God restored all that, but he, he, he did it through a lot of pain in this guy's life, he became eventually a priest, but he, he had faith and he held on to his faith during hard times, I think it's going to be a great powerful story, especially in today's world. So in the, in the story, though, uh, Mel Gibson plays the father. So they're interviewing him. And the, the show I was watching him interview, the, the, the guy um, that was doing the interview is a little narcissistic, which is not a surprise that a TV host would be narcissistic. But the guy said, hey, I'm sure you watch my show all the time. And Mel Gibson said, ah, honestly, I don't watch a lot of TV. And I thought, I love that. Mel Gibson just admitted that he never watches TV because he's too busy doing things that you put on TV. Think about that for a second. So many of us are so busy watching other people live their dreams on a screen that we're not busy living our dreams. What has God told you to do with your life? 
Slow down the consumption, increase the output. It's time for you to begin to live what God put on your heart to do, the career that God wants you to have, the life and the family and the marriage that God wants you to have. Let's create those things because then you're worthy of influencing others because people see you're not just sitting around being con consuming others. You're doing something with your life. God wants us to lead out in our lives and do something for God with your life. That's what he wants us to do. So. Paul created, he did not just consume. I wanna challenge you to do the same thing. Now, I love when he said early in the scripture I mentioned, he said, forgetting what lies behind and straightening forward for what lies ahead. Paul was a big mess up before God got a hold of him. In fact, you, you may say, but you know, I, I, I don't think God could do anything big in my life. You don't know the stuff I've done. You don't know the stuff Paul did. Did you know Paul, not only did he not honor God early in his life, Paul was a murderer of Christians. So I don't know what you've done in your past, but you probably haven't murdered anyone. Unless you're watching from a prison ministry, maybe that's the case. <laughs> but I'm sure most people have not murdered people. And yet God did great things through him. I don't know if you realize also that Paul wrote almost every letter he wrote to different churches that now we read them still 2,000 years later. Let's, no offense, but I don't care how influential you are online. I don't think we're going to be reading Kim Kardashian's post 2,000 years from now but we're still reading what Paul wrote 2,000 years ago. That is influence. Do not confuse notoriety and fame with influence. Paul is still influencing us today. So I wanna challenge you, you can do the same thing when you do something for God. But Paul said, forgetting what lies behind. I just wanna challenge you with this notion. Paul, eventually God changed his life. He went back to Jerusalem and he preached. He was probably preaching in front of Christians that were hearing him. Think about the woman who was the widow listening to Paul preach, and the reason she was a widow is because Paul killed her husband. Think about that for a second. Wow. Talk about the church being full of people that were transformed. How in the world did that happen? That's amazing. The murderer and the murderee's family all in the same room honoring God now. That's called life change. That's called radical transformation is what that is. So don't tell me God cannot radically change your life. I don't care what your past looks like. This is very important to remember this. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is mystery. All you can deal with is today. So choose to live differently today, and that changes how your story finishes. I don't care how bad your story was in the past, what you did last week, last year, last month, you can change today into being the person God has called you to be. God is not through with you. He can bring massive changes in your life. Number two, Paul used his uncommon advantages to further the gospel. He had some uncommon advantages, and so do you. Here's a few of his. Uh, it says in Philippians chapter 3, Paul was a Pharisee by training. That means that he knew the Word of God. He knew the Old Testament up and down. This is important because God used him to uh, change the minds of the Jewish culture in Israel to become Christ's followers. And so when they said, oh, no, that's not what, you know, that when they would say, well, no, no, we, we don't believe in the Christian faith. We don't believe in, in this Christ whole thing. He would say, well, but Moses talked about this. David talked about it. And they'd be like, oh, gosh, see, you're right. Moses did. David did talk about that. And so he would bring up Old Testament scripture. Why? Because he knew it. Because he was raised in the temple. In Acts chapter 22, we know that he was also trained under the philosophy of a guy named Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a, was a Jewish rabbi who had great influence. And so Paul was trained under him. And because Gamaliel has, had such great influence, I'm sure he was a great orator, which means he was a great public speaker. And he was good at debating. And so guess who became a good debater? Paul did. Why? He was trained by one of the best. And so all that helped him do what he did. Paul also was a Roman citizen. That may not mean a lot to us, but, but that was a huge deal. 
if you lived in the Roman world. And so Rome was taking over the whole uh, planet at that, at that point. Uh, the Roman Empire had grown massively. He was like, no, I'm a Roman citizen by birth. In fact, one of the guys that was, that was talking to Paul was arguing with him because Paul kept getting arrested because he was falsely accused of things. They kept lying about him. By the way, one of the ways you know you're doing something right is when they can't catch you in anything wrong, so they just have to make up lies about you. That's how you know you're really good at what you do when people have to lie about you. That's a good sign you're doing something right. And so Paul was constantly being lied about. Jesus was lied about. Daniel in the Bible was lied about. All three of those guys did amazing things. And so if you're being lied about, it's not bad news, it's good news. It means you're doing something right. It means that, that the truth on you is good, so they have to make up lies. And so don't sweat that. And so just keep doing the right thing. So they made up lies about him. They threw him in prison. They brought him before a council of people, and they began to uh, debate him. And, and he, had to, he had to basically defend himself uh, before this, this high council. At one point, the guy, talk about a corrupt court. This guy in the middle of court publicly slapped Paul. Can you believe that? I mean, who would publicly slap someone today? <laughs> that would never happen, of course. But... So he publicly gets slapped. And when he does, he's like, Herod, how dare you? He said, you would slap a Roman citizen? The guy at me was like, whoa, what'd you say? He goes, I'm a Roman citizen. He was like, oh, he knew, man, you don't do that to a Roman citizen. You're not allowed to do that. And so then he said, I appeal to Rome, which means that they have to take him uh, to Rome to stand before Caesar and basically argue his case there. If you're a Roman citizen, you had certain rights that most people didn't have. Can I tell you something about your life? You have advantages. And when people tell me they don't, I just think that this means you're not seeing them, but you have them. When people tell me, I don't have any advantages, you know, and people, you look at someone else who's succeeding and you go, man, they get all their breaks. I never get any breaks. Yeah, you do. You get breaks. The question is, what do you do with your breaks? You say, no, I mean, I, I, this person, they were just given money. They didn't even earn it. Really? I'm sure in the last couple of years, I think the government probably sent you a check, right? So, oh, look at that. You got a break. The question is, what'd you do with your break? You still have it? Did you do anything wise with it? And so I just want to challenge you. You've gotten breaks. You know, oh, they got this money and that's how they could get that house or, 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 or get that education. Or what. Well, but what about, you remember when your grandmama sent you a check? How much of a blessing was that? Where is it? Uh, in other words, you got an advantage. What'd you do with it? You know, there's people, I, I find it so interesting in our culture that here in America, people are constantly criticizing this country about how bad it is while the rest of the world's doing everything they can to get in this country. Which means that it must not be so bad after all. Quit playing victim. And instead, recognize that you have incredible opportunities. No one is stopping you from going to school. No one is stopping you from working. No one is stopping you from taking advantage of this amazing country. And so you have great advantages. And even when you tell me, but you don't know the stuff I've been through. Well, your disadvantages are also advantages. It's all in how you look at it. I've been through a lot of pain. Then you must be an expert in pain. Can I tell you something? My most powerful messages are not when I talk about how great things are going in my life. It's when things are going really bad and I'm very open about it. And when I do that, God uses that. Pain connects you to people. Pain helps you relate. You say, but I've gone through a horrible divorce. And what an opportunity do you have? Because you're an expert on pain. And you can help other people who are going through a divorce. If you've been abused, you have an expertise. You can help someone who's been through abuse. I don't know what it is that you've gone through, but there are uncommon advantages that you have. Would you please take a moment to think about some of your uncommon advantages? I find it funny that almost every student I know whose parents can easily afford college, they really go blow off college. 
But it's the ones who can't afford college that work really hard, put themselves through it, and really care about their education because they, they, they respect it. Why? They had to put something towards it. Just want to challenge you right now. Your advantages are there. Are you taking advantage of your advantages? Maybe you have someone in your family who's doing really well and succeeding at something wildly. Why haven't you taken them to lunch and ask them, how'd you do this? Can you show me how you've done this? What an advantage that you have a direct connection to someone who knows how to do something. And so take advantage of your advantage. Paul used his uncommon advantage of being a Pharisee to be able to speak to the Jewish people. He used his uncommon uh, advantage of, of his, the, uh, tr being trained under the philosopher Gamaliel. Guess what? He went and he stood in Athens. I, I went and stood actually where he stood. And, and he debated people there. In fact, in Athens, I don't know if you've ever been to Athens, but there's all these gods everywhere that they worship. The god of this, the god of that. I mean, all over the place, right? They call it the Pantheon. Pantheon means many gods. They had all kinds of gods. They had so many gods. One god was the god that they didn't even know how to name it. They're like, well, this god is for all the gods we forgot. So this is going to kind of, in case we missed anybody. <laughs> they had a god like that, god, the unknown god, right? And so Paul showed up and he says, what's that god? Oh, that one doesn't have a name. That's the one that we, we don't know. In case we miss someone, we don't want to make anybody mad. Paul goes, really? So he goes, I have a speech I'd like to give. So he gets up to make the speech because he's a philosopher, right? He was trained under a great philosopher. And he says, hey, I want to talk about the unknown god. I know the name of that god. They're like, oh, wow, you know the name. What's the name? His name's Jesus. And let me tell you the difference between this, this God and all the other gods you're trying to worship. Wow, it's brilliant, right? So he communicated, he got on their level, and he spoke their language. And so God used him powerfully to do that. How could he do that? He was trained under Gamaliel. He knew how to do that. He was respected. Why? He was a Roman citizen. So he had some built-in advantages, and he used those. And you also have built-in advantages. If you can't see them, then the disadvantage you have is a negative mind. So change your attitude. Because you have some great things going for you right now. Man, I just barely walked in here and my life's falling apart. You walked in here? Do you know the advantage of that is? I have friends that can't do that. What an incredible advantage you have. Man, my job is so hard. It's just difficult. Wait, you have a job? I know people who don't. You have a paycheck? That's incredible. They pay you? That's amazing. Some people don't get that. Quit crying on the shoulders of those around you and instead understand that God has given you opportunity and he's given you advantages. Utilize them for his glory. You have opportunities and advantages. You do. I am living in the advantage that my, both my parents love the Lord with all their heart. I am living in the event. Many of you don't realize the blessings you have in your life is because your grandma and your grandpapa prayed for you and, and were faithful to God and you're living in their faithfulness to this day. And so I just want to challenge you to recognize you do have some uncommon advantages. And when you do, guess what? That makes you an expert in something. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm not much of an expert. Why do people call you? Tell me why people call you. That's your expertise. I just want to tell you, you have an expertise. Why do people call you? Well, I just have a friend he always calls because he needs help with his car. Oh, you're good with cars. You're good with your hands. Then I want to encourage you to go over and help him fix the transmission and take a little golden egg with you. <laughs> and with your advantage that you clearly have to be able to fix things, help him fix a car and say, hey, by the way, I got a favor to ask of you. What's that? Would you come to church with me this weekend? Use your, your giftedness and the influence it gives you to use your influence to invite someone to hear about Christ. Does that make sense? You have an advantage, you have talent, you have expertise, you're an expert in something. And so utilize that to help win people to Christ. Whatever is you're good at. This is, I wanna challenge you to think about what are you good at? Utilize what you have to your advantage. I think about Tim Tebow. 
The guy, he has an incredible, people say, oh, he didn't do much in the NFL. Uh, I beg to differ, first of all. But, but second of all, I would say, let's just look at his college career for a moment. He has one of the best NCAA uh, athletic careers of all time. And so, of course, they have on a TV show talking about college football. Why? He's brilliant at it. I mean, look what the guy did. And so he uses that platform to do what? To be a light in a dark world, doesn't he? What a great opportunity. And then what did he do? He took his influence, and now he's got this incredible ministry to special needs uh, people where he, he puts on this big night for them. It is unbelievable. And I don't care if you're a Christian or not, you have to respect what he's doing. Everyone looks at him and goes, you know, I don't, have, I don't have to believe in God to know that's a good dude. And he's making an impact. So I want to challenge you that you can make an impact right where you are with the gifts and the talents that God gave you. If you're in the military, excel at it. Be good at it. Be, be well-trained, climb the ranks, and then use your influence to be an impact on other people. Does that make sense? God has given you great influence, I promise you. Utilize your influence. I, I was just with a friend of mine. He, he invited me to come out to the air show. We had such a great time, and the guy is, is you know, uh, he's the second man in charge of, of this whole base, practically, uh, uh, his whole division. And I was talking to him, and he started telling me about a horrible, difficult story he went through and how things were unfairly done to him, and, but he, and he didn't do well, and, and he didn't pass the test, and he was upset with himself. And he said, I lean on that pain in my career to help so many young people that are new in the military. Oh, look at that. Your disadvantage became your greatest advantage. Your leadership was developed through your hard times, not through your good times. I want to encourage you. Use the advantages, the uncommon advantages that you have. Number three, Paul genuinely cared for people. Acts chapter 15 says this. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, that's his buddy, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Paul genuinely cared for people. If you want to have influence, you can't make life about yourself. Oh, I just want to tell you right now, it, it, if you try to make yourself happy, I need to let you in on something you're not going to be happy. If you try to, to fulfill your own desires all the time, you will be left unfulfilled. But if you begin to say, God, I want to make a difference in someone else's life, all of a sudden you get happy. It's just funny how this works. I love the way Zig Ziglar put it years ago. He's now with the Lord. But he said this. He said, you can have everything in life you want if you help enough people get what they want. Isn't that good? You could just run off of that one line. I mean, I think Jesus put it this way, do unto others as you would have them do for you, right? And so just thinking about others is a game changer. Genuinely care for other people. There was a, a, a missionary named Dr. John Getty. He went to Anatom, uh, which is a small country, in 1848, and he worked there for 24 years. On the tablet erected in his memory in this nation, it says this, when he landed in 1848, there were no Christians. When he left in 1872, there were no heathen. Wow. Can that be said of you and me? You say, I'm only probably going to be working at this one company for, you know, six, five, six years at the most. Well, can they say in the division that you joined, when you got there, there were no Christians. When you left, there were no non-Christians because of the difference that you made. How great would that be that you made that kind of an influence in people's life? Paul genuinely cared for other people. One of the things I'm the most proud about this church is that we honestly and sincerely care for broken people. I love that about this place. We really do. And so that, that's, that's what God's called us to do. You know why? You know why we're so effective at that? Because we are broken people. It's not hard to minister to someone if you can relate. 
And so because we are broken people, that God is just put back together again. And, we're not, and we don't have it all together. God uses that. People say to me, Pastor, well, how's it you always, it's like you're reading my mail, man. How do you know where I'm at, what's going on in my life? Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't know this? I wasn't preaching at you. I was preaching at me. It's not hard for me to talk about self-doubt because I doubt myself all the time. It's not hard for me to talk about the pains of parenting because I half the time feel like I'm a bad dad. Sometimes I'm like, ah, why did I say that? I, I, could, I could do so much better. I wish, I wish I was a better dad. It's not hard for me to relate to being depressed because I have to pick myself up sometimes and I feel like, man, sometimes the days I just feel like, is there even a God? I'm just so hurting and Am I making any difference at all? Does anyone even care? You ever felt that way? They told me in seminary, whatever you do, don't ever reveal your weaknesses or your pain. And I've learned to do the exact opposite. The more I reveal my weakness and my pain, the more God blesses it. So I just want to encourage you. If, if you will be real with people and genuine and really care for them, God will use you in a great way. You just have to be honest. We just don't, we're just not that sharp. We're not that good. I look around here and I'm like, I'm not this smart. God's just good. He's just good. He gets the glory. God's good. Paul genuinely cared for people. Just genuinely care for people and God will do great things through you. Number four, Paul, like Paul, the greatest sermon you ever preach is by how you live through what you're going through. It's really true. First Thessalonians, he said this, the word has gotten around. Your lives are echoing the master's word, not only in the provinces, but all over the place. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. Wow. Could that be said of you and me? Are we the message? We are the message. The question is, what's the message being delivered? Is the message by your life being delivered that, you know, Jesus may be real, maybe not, we're not sure? Or is the message by your life, oh, God works because look at how he's taking care of, of you. So we really are the message. The Apostle Paul wrote the very famous line in Philippians chapter 4 when he wrote to the people of Philippi. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you know that he wrote that from prison? And did you know, I've been to that prison cell. It's underneath the palace in Rome. I went there. I wanted to see where, where he was in prison. It's, it's, it's not even tall enough for you to stand in, so he would have had to constantly be ducking. It's real small, and it's in the sewage system. The sewage system, and today our sewage system, thank God, is a, is a closed pipe, but their sewage system was an open ravine, and it went right through his prison cell. That's how they treated prisoners. And so he would have been writing, I can do all things through Christ, with other people's feces running through his toes. So as he's standing in someone else's crap, he's writing, I can do this through Christ. I don't know what you're standing in right now, but you can do it. You got this. You're going to be okay. You're going to be better than okay. You're not just going to survive this. You're going to thrive. In fact, I want to tell you, in 1987, there was a, an experiment done. They made a biosphere, a biodome. And uh, engineers and earth scientists and entrepreneurs got together to make this biodome. And they wanted to prove that if you create the perfect climate 
that vegetation, trees, shrubs, all kinds of plants would thrive. They had, it was perfectly climatized, three and a half acres, a little, little under that. It was perfectly domed. The climate was perfect. They had just arrived on sunlight. They had, they, they had, they had nutrient-rich soil. They had clean, purified water. I mean, they had perfectly purified air. I mean, it was, it was perfect. Things began to grow, and they thought, man, see, this is what happens when you, when you don't have any of those outside negative influences. But the trees would grow to a certain size, and they would just fall over. They couldn't figure out why, well, why is this happening. We've given them everything they need to grow, but the trees, again, grow, fall over. And finally, one of the earth scientists says, I know what's going on. There's no wind in this. And without the wind, the, the, the wind that blows in every direction is nonstop. That makes trees create a tough bark on the outside that strengthens them. And also it forces them to grow roots deep so they can stay strong in the middle of that resistance. You see, without resistance, the trees can't grow very high. You and I are the same way. You need resistance. So quit trying to pray away the very situation God is using to make you strong. God doesn't want to change your circumstances. He wants to change you. So he places you in the middle of a difficult circumstance. So you grow deep in the Lord and grow strong in him. And that's how he makes you more like his son, Jesus. <laughs> by what you're going through. God's not through with you. The best sermon you could ever preach is not anything you say. It's how you live. In the middle of that difficult situation, in the middle of your legal battle, in the middle of cancer, in the middle of a divorce, in the middle of a wayward child, in the middle of a boss who's all over you, in the middle of a tough econ economy, in the middle of all that, God says, if you will stand strong when you're publicly slapped, stay there, smile on your face, do your job. Did you notice the transfer of credibility from one person to another and one hit? Now, I'm not trying to run down Will Smith, by the way. I'm, I like him. I really do. He's a Christian. He's open about his faith. He doesn't have it all right. Neither, was, neither, neither do I. He'll come back. He'll be fine. He'll come back. He's got credibility, and, and he, he knows the right things to do. He'll do it. I believe that. But isn't it funny how Chris Rock is the one who left with respect? Because he stood there and did his job. It's like, wow, that's pretty tough that he did that, you know? We could argue the specifics, but I don't think we can argue the fact that when we get hit, we should just stand there and stay strong. I think we'd all agree with that, wouldn't we? Been hit lately? World coming at you? Devil attacking you? Stay strong. Do your job. Do what God calls you to do. Stand strong. That's your greatest witness. That's your greatest testimony. It's in the face of difficulties. You stay the course. There's a famous missionary named Hudson Taylor. I've been, you know, I've been quoting a lot of missionaries lately. I just, it's something, God's doing something to me about this because I, I just have to tell you, I, I don't think we're supposed to become a, a big, comfortable church. I think we're supposed to stay a mission. I'm convinced of that. There's just too many, there's too many lost people left for us to get comfortable. I can't shake that. We're not done. Don't get comfortable. Don't become too professional. Let's stay hungry for lost souls. Amen. I'm convinced of that. Sorry. I, God's doing something to me, guys. I can't explain it. But I just know 
God's breaking me down so we can do greater things. Because he can't use people who have it together. He specializes on unqualified, broken people to do his greatest work. And I'm asking him to do his greatest work in us, in this church, to make an impact across the world. It's not in my notes. I just feel led to tell you that. What is in my notes is this. Hudson Taylor was a great missionary. He went to China and changed a lot of lives. In fact, historians tell us that roughly 25,000 people accepted Christ directly from him, from one man. China was changed forever. The problem is the Chinese Communist Party doesn't like this. They've been trying to squelch Christianity ever since, and the more they try to squelch it, the faster it spreads. A number of years ago, the Chinese Communist Party hired a guy that was a famous writer in China, and they said, we want you to rewrite the story of Hudson Taylor, but we want you to rewrite it, and we want you to distort the truth of him and talk about how bad of a guy he was. So this guy was paid a lot of money to do this. He had a big contract once he delivered the book. So he began to do research on Hudson Taylor. And in his research, he discovered this guy was amazing. And he was a man of incredible integrity and character. And in the face of all kinds of, of, of uh, of adversity, he stood with his faith and didn't back down, and God used him to change that country. The guy researching the book to write a distorted history, a, re- a revisionist history of Hudson Taylor was so moved by this man's story that he went and did something very bold and really dangerous, and he went to the CCP, the Communist Party of China, and he said, here's the contract back. I can't write this book. In fact, to be honest with you, I gave my life to Christ after studying this man's life. A hundred years from now, when they write the story of us, what will they say? Will they say we got big and comfortable? Or will they say we stay humble and ask God to bless his work and that we change the world? I've got a million soul mandate on me, guys. I can't back off. But I'm not called to do it alone. I'm called to do it together. That's what this offering's about. That's what this church is about. That's what Easter is about next week. It's about more people finding Christ. Will you join me in being a person of influence? Will we get over ourselves and be all about God's mission? That's what God's called us to do. Will you bow bow your heads with me and pray? Thank you. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. How's God speaking to you? Maybe God's speaking to you saying, man, Lord, I gotta be honest, I've been making things about me instead of things about you. Maybe your conviction today is to say, God, I've been holding back on you. Just fully commit to what the Lord tells you to do for him. Just honor God. However the Lord speaks to you, would you just do what the Lord is telling you to do? See, but pastor, it's scary. I know, it's called living by faith. If it wasn't scary, it wouldn't require faith. So what's God telling you? Honor him, obey him, do what the Lord tells you to do. Just do what God says, period, that's it. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe God's speaking to you about someone you can bring to Easter this next week. I pray he does. I pray he puts on your heart someone you genuinely care for that you just want them to know the truth of Christ. If that's you today, would you lift your hand high? If you say, Pastor, I'm gonna bring someone, I know exactly who God's telling me to bring. Praise God, thank you. Their hand's going up all across our churches right now. Thank you. Thank you for that faith. Just just simply bring them. Just bring them. And just let God do what only God can do. You don't have to control the circumstances. You just 
bring them and let God do the rest. But will you do your part? Praise God. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying this very simple prayer. Pray this prayer with us. Just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, no one's looking around, would you just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus? Just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. We see those hands right now. Thank you. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Rodfield. Just hold your hand high if you just gave your life to Christ. Thank you, Padre. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport. Those of you watching online, you can put it in the text chat right now. Just say, my hand's raised. Just let us know. Just text that to us. Just put it in the text chat. Or maybe you can click on my hand's raised. Just let us know right now if your hand's raised. You just gave your life to Christ. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you called us to truly be an influence. So, God, we just humble ourselves and we get over ourselves and make this all about you, Lord, for your glory, for your purpose. Thank you, God, that we can follow you with all of our hearts. And I pray, God, that whatever we're going through, Lord, that we'd have deep roots and let the winds blow. We will stand strong with you. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true. Thank you for watching the Church Unlimited YouTube channel. But don't stop now. Join our online family so you can stay connected with what God is doing here. Subscribe to this channel and hit the bell so that you never miss a service. And don't forget to share with a friend. You can also support the ministry by clicking the Give Now button to help us continue to impact lives around the world. Thank you for watching and God bless.